Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody, apologies on being late this uh, evening. I thought that uh, it's going to start the show without me, but it didn't happen. So uh, I was coming back from softball and came back and a little late and trying to get everything all set up so my apologies folks welcome to another episode of woodward tigers here and on the woodward sports network and just oh apparently the rockies are calling up witten bernard so that was some breaking news that broke out there i'm right looking at me is youper you can find us on apple podcast spotify i heard media wherever you listen to the podcast and i'm again apologies on being late this evening but uh, a really cool moment happened tonight at softball. I wasn't going to play. I just played to show up, do the scoring, and coach their base. And we're playing one of those teams that, you know, takes it too seriously. They run on everything. <laughs> like, really, like, this guy ran from first to th- – he ran an inside park home run on a shallow single to right. Like, it was – look, I understand being competitive. <laughs> I understand that – it's co-ed softball and, and I understand that, but good Lord, get, come on. And then this one guy playing third who had like, he, he was like, uh, he didn't even, he had a bandana or something. He was, he had, a, he was sitting there going uh, one of her. So <laughs> soft and softball, you, you know that if anybody yeah. up the pitch that it's an automatic out, well, the umpire, was hugging the other team, keeping this in mind. I was hugging the other team earlier, and the rule didn't really apply to them. Or it was just kind of like she had a really weird rules with, with certain people. And they also had four guys batting a row. Now she's like, oh, you don't have to have girl, boy, girl. I'm like, every softball league I've ever known, it has to be that way. Yeah. This team. And so, and then in, in the last inning, uh, they asked me to play third i'm like uh it's not really my position but i'll play whatever so i ended up playing long story short then i got the bat and i had a pitch single or hitch hit or pinch it single to left but we fell short by two runs so oh almost had the comeback almost had a comeback yes we you're did. gonna lead the, you're gonna lead the comeback you're gonna spark the comeback uh yeah it was gonna <laughs> it, it would have been a great story but uh nevertheless there's been a lot. There's a lot of headlines to get to. There's a lot of things. The Tigers are now have lost 70 games, Ooh. so we are we're into like we wanted a wanted a competitive second half, but not happening. Not happening. And by the way, I want to clear up something real quick before we start. And uh, oh, I wanted to play something too. I'll, I'll play this in a second. But uh, 
I had a lot of texts yesterday saying, hey, congratulations on Isla Vila being fired and, and what have you and all that. And I was like, you guys are not going to be as angry anymore. And I was like, well, what, are you, what are you talking about? And and then it occurred to me that we've been told, I've been told by a couple people that we've talked to that we're, we're angry, Uper. We're you, not you in particular, but all the, you know, the, the blog communities, quote unquote. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I'm just like, what are we? Well, you guys are always yelling about the Tigers. Always come. I, I'm sorry. Should we not say anything about the Tigers? Did I miss something? No, well, Uber? we you know when we have game after game, especially this year, where you know the other night, just for fun, I put out a tweet. Which of the Tigers' four singles have you enjoyed the most tonight? You know, because there's there's what is there good to talk about? There's literally not been a, a happy storyline to the entire season. That yeah. anyone could really seize on, other than maybe the bullpen, if you get jacked up about that. But in terms of Avila, you know, it's funny. Back in the day, in the early days of, of uh, blogging and chatting, I was accused of being Mr. Sunshine. Just the happiest guy. Wait, Everything's- wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't, I supposedly, I wouldn't criticize anybody, blah, 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 blah. I don't think that was true then, and I don't think it's true now that we're oh. over the top uh, negative. I think when you have a rebuilding process that started in 2017, and I know some will say 2015, and it's continually gone wrong, and there have been nothing but potholes and speed bumps everywhere they've turned. Uh, at some point, the buck stops here. We learned yesterday it doesn't stop with Chris Illich, so it had to stop with Alavila. <laughs> so you know, uh, I'm, fl- I'm glad you mentioned that because I have some Chris Illich audio for you that uh, some people have heard me or not, but so check us out. Looking back at the way things have gone, obviously not being able to predict the future, but do you have any regrets of trading some of the veterans away that have been traded away, like Verlander, Judy Martinez? So I would say to you. Um, I didn't trade those players away, right? Our, our general manager did, Al, Al did, that's, that's his role. Uh, if you're asking if the organizational, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna comment on past activities and, um, you know, uh, go through of a litany of moves that Al has made over the course of the past years. Um, you can all assess that on your own and I'm really focused at this point looking forward. I believe bringing in a new leader in our baseball operations area is going to give us fresh perspective. It's a real opportunity to evaluate, reevaluate everything that we're doing and bring new ideas in a fresh perspective as we go forward. And so my focus is going forward. But I did want to spend time with you today to talk about why I made this decision and where we head from here. So Profiles and courage there, wasn't it? Yeah. Profile yeah. and courage of Chris Illich. Do you like you. the uh, always, uh, always Sunny reference there? Yeah, I love It's very nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know where you'd be good with that other than that's a real profile and courage. Uh, so definitely he's saying the buck stops down the hall. <laughs> it doesn't stop with me. He laid pretty much uh, everything at Al Avila's feet, which I guess as owner he has every right to do. It's just laughable. I mean, I think as those quotes are coming out, everybody who's paid any attention to the Tigers over the last decade knows that uh, 
Justin Verlander was not traded without Chris Illich's stamp of approval. I mean, who are we kidding here? And, uh, you know, but he wanted to put that on Avila's shoulders as a going away present. Uh, that was his party gift instead of the home version of baseball. And uh, uh, I guess that's who Chris Illich is. I was just playing the audio, Chris, the uh, audio central over earlier with the always sunny reference to it because, and look, R1 versus J, uh, J4 on YouTube. I don't know what he's, I mean, it just sounded, it sounded like he was basically saying, in other words, the past is the past. Let's move on. And again, the accountability, it just, it, it just sounded, the whole thing sounded really weird. Even the media was, you know, uh, Brad Alley and, and everybody else that was kind of reporting that was very kind of like, huh, what's going on here? And, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little, I was a little miffed by it, but, uh, that was him yesterday, and again, the Tigers are in such a bad shape right now that here we are on August 11th, and they've lost 70 games. They lost again today where your star shortstop allowed, what, 300 runs? Was responsible for allowing 300 runs today? And you don't announce anything about your starter down in Toledo the last second? Did you guys know that uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was one tonight? No idea. But he, he pitched shutout, right? Shutout, like five innings? Yeah, he pitched really good. No, but Chris, did, they didn't do an announcement until last minute, right? Chris? Okay. Oh, he's okay. So I, I don't think, I didn't see, unless anybody in YouTube, I, don't, I didn't see anything that was out ahead of time um, promoting his starter or what have you. They just kind of threw it up there. Maybe it's just me. I, I don't know. I don't, I didn't thought I saw anything, but. Uh, no, I didn't yeah. know about it. I didn't know about it until I just checked the box score half hour ago. You know, yeah. I saw he struck out six and walked one. Looked pretty good. So, oh, apparently Semester Torkelson hit a walk off. That's okay. That's what Chris was doing. Okay. Uh, so Chris, uh, yeah. Now, nah, Okay. I got a uh, comment in Discord. So, yeah, join. Thanks for everybody who joined the Discord. By the way, we got a big time uh, rush of people that joined. So, thank you for jo- joining. And uh, we have a a request in there. If you have a closing song or your opening, or if you're a closer, what would be your song? And the reason why I was doing that is because it seems like we've seen Edward Diaz, and we've seen a lot of this happening recently. So, uh, I just thought it'd be kind of cool to see what people in Discord would name. So, uh, like but. It. Yeah, but the Tigers were outclassed in every way, shape, or form this week by the Guardians. Uh, it's I don't really want to go into it because, quite frankly, there's really unless I'm missing some about a storyline. They're now, they're, yeah, they're now 17 games back of first place, and first place, first, Cleveland's in first place. That's how bad this division is. <laughs> White Sox have just decided to. <laughs> And Minnesota, like I thought, Minnesota would at least go and and do enough at the trade deadline, and they did. They were they actually made some trades, but they're only four games up of five hundred. And this is a this is what makes this this year frustrating. If the Tigers were playing what they were last year, a little bit like about that, they would be. It would be a lot more exciting to be a lot more people to games. But since the Lou Whitaker game, which by the way, for everybody who went to that was fantastic. The, the entire ceremony, there was not a dry eye. That was really close, really, really cool. And to be on the field to – I was lucky, fortunate enough to be on the field to record that. That was uh, 
No, I was awesome. So, time to fire a cool ouch. No. <laughs> I'm guessing that was a uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, autocorrect there. Typo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I needed to. I wanted to get that Torkelson walk off. Yeah, yeah, you should, yeah, because he needed. Yeah, he, yeah, Tork. We saw him last night, and he, he didn't look good. Honestly, he did not look good. He looked like he looked in Detroit. It was ground balls strikeout, strikeout looking, a strikeout swinging, two ground balls to shortstop, and then they intentionally walked him for some reason. <laughs> um, so maybe that's why. Maybe tonight is why. But uh, yeah, anyway, Joey Wentz looked really good, though. I thought Joey Wentz did. I had a hard time locating his fastball, but I thought his, you know, he was throwing a slider, uh, change up and everything. No, no problem, Chris. That's what I thought you meant. My bad, man. It's, yeah, it's we good. knew. We knew what you meant. We yeah, were, we knew what you meant. You meant. Yeah, you're you're awesome. So don't worry about it, man. Um, but yeah, I thought Wentz did fine, and there was a setback with Bill Brisky. He's been put on a 60 day IL, so they didn't have to make a corresponding move for Kerry Carpenter. Kerry Carpenter, Kerry Carpenter, Slayer of Worlds, Slayer of Dragons. Is nervous Nelly. Nervous Nelly is over. He, he, yeah, he just he looks way too nervous right now. Like that, yeah. that he's, he he hasn't swung at pitches like that all year. We've yeah. we've been watching him in the minors. You know, I, I I it's always tough. You know, it's a huge jump between the minors and the majors. If people don't appreciate that, that's everybody who used to call him up, they don't understand yeah. <laughs> currently, or it's just a shtick at this point. But but he's not <laughs> as bad as he has looked. Yeah. It's just I'm a, sure he's not. Yeah. You know, right now I think he's probably averaging swinging at one strike per at bat, right? And the other, the other strikes are out of the zone. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just there's just not a lot of patience there right now, and that's okay. Uh, the good news is they've lost 70 games already, and 68 were without him. So <laughs> uh, they can you know, they can keep him in the lineup for quite a while here, and that's just fine. Yeah, and Miggy's going to be part time the rest of the year, it looks like too, and. One of the things that was picked up today, by the way, that um, not to get too far off the Avila topic, but the fact that Avila was in the room but not making decisions, roster decisions, became between A.J. Hinch and Sam Mezzin, who takes over the day-to-day operations. And I thought that was interesting. It kind of – and yeah. Uper, we've talked about this. Chris and I have talked about this too. It, it kind of it proves our theory that we were even talking about, that the kind of level of disconnect that you can see when certain players were called up. For example, yeah. Corey Joyce versus Trey Cruz, the old guard versus possibly the new guard. So um, well, it was interesting. Many times, how many times this year on this podcast we speculated or we put up the proviso out there, is Avila really in charge? Or is he, is he making calls right now or is he a figurehead? And that kind of kind of nudges you toward figurehead. And he has to decide to cut the cord now. Yes! And by the way, for the record, it for as far as celebrating Avila, you can celebrate any way you want. It was just funny to me that some of the some of the people were just I don't know, like it was like this a monumental a monumental day in history. It's just another guy, just another Ray Smith is still the worst GM of all time. But just, well, I mean, I think that the key thing that we've been trying to get across is that at least I've been trying to get across is, is that like, yeah, you can celebrate and all that stuff, but, but firing the bad GM is, is the easiest part of this. Yeah. And we've uh, like, it was obvious. Everybody knew it had to come. We don't know why it came now. Uh, I have some theories, but, uh, but like the, you know, the example I made for, for Lions fans, you know, everyone couldn't wait to get rid of Matt Mellon and they got rid of him 
And what did they get in, in his place? They got Martin Mayhew, who was there for, what, three, four, five more years. And then they got another GM. And now they finally have a GM that Lions fans seem to like. But it, it's, you know, the firing isn't the important part. The important part is getting the next hire right. And right. so, I mean, that's, I guess, when I would celebrate, although it's hard to know. You know, it's 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 difficult to know when they hire somebody if it's going to be the right call. I thought Avila was going to be do a good job seven years ago. You can find my tweet. Yeah. Hmm. As far as uh, candidates, I did write today for Woodward Tiger or Woodward Sports rather a article breaking down a little bit about who I like as as candidates and the. the I didn't really break down the Al Avila history too much because I've done that several times in Motor City Bengals, and I just felt like I'm not going to repeat in with the, doing the podcast or anything, but I gave, gave name three, as we did get a request for that tonight, but um, I referred to Simon and Garfunkel's uh, Songs of Silence, The Sound of Silence, rather. Yeah, I saw to, that. It was good. Yeah, and it was kind of a, because when I saw Brandon Day's title, I felt it was kind of fitting, but there's, I mean, there's two things we could take away with, th- this was coming from last year. I mean, we saw this last year when they in August when they got rid of David Littlefield and Chad, there was changes to come. And then you saw that with the next month, Ryan Garko, then Gabe Rivas got hired. And then a bunch of guys got hired in December. And then I wanted to point out though, like Kerry Carpenter, who got some swing help, whether it was outside the organization, still he got some swing and help, but then Parker Meadows, Winsteel Perez, uh, Josh Crouch. There's a bunch of hitters that are actually hitting. Again, the Cole Tiger Keith. system, yeah, Cole Keith, yeah. Look, the Tiger system as a whole, as a collective, is ranked near the in the mid twenties right now, according to Baseball America. I think it's like twenty fifth or twenty sixth or something to that effect. I can't remember exactly, but the the changes that were made last off season are reflective in the system right now. So it has nothing to do with Alavila. So there were some things that are already in place, and the, the, the candidates, by the way, I mentioned was Carlos Rodriguez, the VP of Player Development and International Scouting for the Rays. He's been there for a while, and he's responsible for signing guys like Wander DeFranco and uh, Diego Castillo, and he's been able to do a good work, job. But I think that one might be a stretch because he's from Florida. He might want to stay in the area, and somebody's also going to poach somebody else from Tampa, so he might be the next man up to run the, run the team. Uh, James Harris, who's the assistant GM of the Cleveland Guardians, he was the director of player development, prior to that and this guy came from football he was a football player he played for the eagles then he was a special assistant i had a baseball and he's done a really hell of a job if you look at cleveland today that's an example of a farm system that works mm-hmm. you know um and then with a cheap owner and then josh burns who is a senior vp of baseball operations one of 10 as was pointed out to me in discord yesterday 10 is that right 10 yeah 10 10 uh but essentially he's doing a kind of a glorified title there's not really much to his title apparently um, but Burns has worked with Hinch twice. So he worked with him in Arizona and then Hinch was his assistant GM at San Diego. So they have quite a history together. I think so often many of these things come down to teams do what's easiest. <laughs> and uh, I was trying to rank in my mind, what's the easiest move? And obviously I think number one would be promote from within and do Menzen. But then number two jumps out at me. The more we've talked about the last couple of days and you read Josh Burns's uh, background with Hinch. 
Yeah. Re- really kind of makes him, to me, the second easiest move, especially if uh, Illich values prior GMAC, GM experience. So that's where I put my money right now if I had to put money on it. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think Minzen and, and, and Burns do seem like the two most likely candidates. I know we had a question about if we would name some guys. That the guy always bring up, I could bring up again. We want with you now, or if we could wait till the questions. But um, it's it's Mike Groupman, the current assistant general manager for the Red Sox, uh, who I think he's only like 37, 38, maybe close to 40 now. But he's he's basically he was a, an intern for the Reds and then the Mets, then worked for Major League Baseball as a labor relations guy for a little bit. Then he spent 10 years with the Royals doing uh, operations and then analytics. And then he was put in charge of Milwaukee's international scouting and development for four years, which really he turned that around to the point where they've, they've gotten a lot of value out of there. It's not quite to the major leagues yet, but that's how it works. You know, it takes five, six years, but he really did a good job there. And, and the Red Sox poached him and made him AGM. I just like to see, you know, maybe he's not quite ready for a general manager, but seems like a guy who's got all the requisite experience that you need for a general manager and, and, I keep pointing like, out that that's an impressive sounding resume. And to be honest, I, I put a tweet out about not him, but today I'd much rather see them go young with mm-hmm. some new ideas and a, a track record like that guy. And so what if he's ready or not? You know, he's got the background. Uh, if you want to swing big, that's the kind of guy that it jumps out at me too. Uh, the more you talk about him, I like that idea. You can also find uh, articles he wrote at Baseball Prospectus back in, in 2006. He used to write over there. So, yeah. Uh, and a lot of it was about health for some reason. So, I don't know. Yeah, it just, uh, it's just a name that, that I think he'll probably be a GM at some point in the next five, ten years. So. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But there, I mean, like, like we said, there are a lot of candidates out there. I, I mean, I know you already talked about the press conference. The press conference is my ugly. We don't need to get into all that right now, but yeah. like. I just get the sense that, that my, uh, Chris Illich is going to do whatever's easiest. So that's probably men's end to me, but we'll see. We'll see, uh, you know, what, what Hinch wants to do. Yeah. Again, and I think that you, you're absolutely correct. You look at the, I guess, I don't want to say nepotism in, in Australia, nepotism across the board. Carlos Rodriguez was friends with, um, uh, the the GM from the uh, the Braves, uh, Alex. Uh, forgot the guy. Antopoulos. Yeah, Antopoulos. Yeah, they were friends, and he got a job scouting with the, the Jays. 
So that kind of, the, the, you know, you get to know somebody and then you get to know somebody and go from there. The, the trees out there, baseball GM trees are pretty, uh, pretty bad out there for, uh, and honestly, I like your suggestion, Chris, a lot, I think, but I mean, if, if Josh Burns there, I'm fine with that. I, actually, you know, really, I kind of think of it. The, I have the two or out of the three I mentioned earlier. Um, I think if they go for a different type of hire, I say, why not somebody like along the lines of, of James uh, Harris? I mean, look, like, again, he Cleveland's a, a very cheap team. They don't spend a lot of money. So somebody that already has that kind of background in thrifty GM or thrifty ownership, you know, why not? I, it just seems like if you're going to do that and, and Cleveland maximizes all their talents. And so, I like that idea. Um, Hinge doesn't want the job. Uh, we're going to chat on there on YouTube. He doesn't want the job. He wants to manage. So I think he he's fine with that. And he's done the front office stuff when he was in San Diego. Probably, I don't know, I don't want to assume or speak for him, but maybe not like it. But um, I agree with what Stop It said here in, on YouTube, which is Detroit's inability to create young hitters must change. And that is fundamentally 100% correct. We could talk about the number. I could talk about Parker Meadows all day long. I could talk about Perez. I could talk about Roberto Campos's, you know, better swing numbers and Cole Keith, but it doesn't matter if they're not producing at the major league level. If you can give me one player, I've been, <laughs> if I had a, a campaign slogan, it would be Rogelio for two war player. If you just give me one two war player consistently for one year, then it is a small, it is a very, pathetic small victory it's <laughs> pathetic that i have to we have to resort to that but a small victory nevertheless i i mean no that's not that's what you talked about before if you had a team full of two war players you'd win like 105 games sure you know <laughs> so if you can get just get average talent guys who can fill in and, and do the job and you, you win championships with the superstars to get you there but it's those those average players that, that help you out. And it's one of those things like you know, when I was talking about groupment, like I, I just really I really want the, to see them fix the international department. And they have some young guys coming. But when you look at a team like just look at Minnesota, they've got like six homegrown international players on their major league roster right now. Blanco, Sano, I mean, you, you know, there are varying Miranda, degrees really of quality, good. Kepler, um, Miranda, yeah, like yeah, j- just just being able to supplement your team with talented big leaguers from anywhere, it, it would just be such a, a huge improvement. And uh, it's not going to happen quickly, unfortunately, but uh, they need to do that as much as they need to. It, it just like uh, you know, Stop it said, you know, get, get young hitters. They need to get them from the international uh, market just as much as they need to get them from the draft. And honestly, like we've seen them, we're pretty pleased with the young hitters they've taken in the draft the last two years. I guess last Three years they didn't really take anybody this year, um, so maybe maybe they've improved in that regard. And it's just going to take some time, but uh, need to keep doing more of that. To answer Stop It's question, he asked a really good question on YouTube. Is it true that they don't teach theory or approach to hitting whatsoever? Do you think that's true or just low talent? Until this year, until recently, I think it was just lack of talent. But I think there's some sort of change. Whether I mean, look at for example, Parker Meadows is the exact example of what I'm talking about. Parker Meadows had a hard time even getting a barrel on the ball. I mean, he would have to, remember how they were having him bunt for singles 
Yeah. Come on. I mean, he was quick. But for, mm-hmm. for his size, he could should drive the ball. Then this year, he started driving the ball and consistently and well. And Winston Perez was spurts of goodness throughout his time at West Michigan. But this is the most the most consistent we've seen Winston Perez ever. And, I mean, he's also a, a viable threat on the base path. He's a switch hitter. There's a lot to like about him. And the fact he's put it together, it, it can't be coincidence that based off all the changes the Tigers have made prior to the during the in, in the offseason, that there's some sort of result from it. I mean, you can't tell me that the old regime was like, oh, you know, suddenly they figured it out. No, there's something's going on. And for how many games we've gone to, uh, it, yeah. Well, I mean, I, we've been begging them to, to you know, they, they the Tigers tend to take unathletic guys who they think can hit or super athletic guys, and they, they cross their fingers and hope that they can hit. And, and Perez and Meadows are two of the more athletic players in the system. And, and whatever, you know, they finally like, hey, why don't you use that athleticism to hit? Uh, and it's working. And that's good to see because that's what you need. You need those are the types of guys who, you know, I, I don't think Winslow Perez is going to offer a lot of defensive value. But, I, you know, he could probably stick at second base. It might be a little bit iffy there. But um, but just, just getting athletes, you know, you don't want these corner guys who, if they fail, then you, there's no fallback. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's two of the more encouraging developments so far this year. They just we just need more of it, and and we talked about it. Like Avila's big mistake was not doing this overall five six years ago. We're just, <clears throat> we're seeing some progress, but it, it was just way too late for him. That homer today by Parker Meadows that was a shot. Nothing was gone. The pitcher never even looked up. He never yeah. turned his head. <laughs> he also you know, doubled he... earlier in the game and walked. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, after his first month, kind of adjusting to Double A pitching. He's been really good there, and it's uh, he and Perez have both played themselves into forty-man roster spots, which is nice to see. That's what you want to see from your young prospects, right? So, again, good good developments there. Kerry Carpenter's a great story. If he even if he looks uh, completely lost, there's some good things happening. It's just it was it's too little, too late. No, I'm I'm not a batting coach, a hitting coach. Excuse me. The Kerry Carpenter's follow. He looks like. A left-handed Jacoby Jones to me. He has that same low finish. Uh, that's uh, that always scares me when I see someone like that. Because so I was comparing someone else to Jacoby Jones the other day, and I didn't didn't feel good about that either. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was it was earlier in the year. Carpenter has kind of a, a unique looking swing where he, he almost it's like he he swings and he's almost down on his knees when he finishes his follow through. And we were trying to think of um, I think it was Ghost Mav who was was like, hey, who does this remind you of? And I was like. I don't know, Reggie Jackson? I was trying to think a long time ago, but then he said um, Corey Seager, which I can see. It's just kind of the, that that you know, left-handed uphill finish but where he's dropping down. And what, what's unique about Carpenter doing that in the minors, at least, was he was still able to do that and drive the ball to the opposite field. It remains to be seen if he can actually do that in the majors. He's going to have to make contact first. But, uh, yeah, we'll give him time. So, yeah, that, that there's – Again, just getting used to major league pitching. He's gonna I, for people who are writing him off and trying to blame Scott Coolbaum already. Get a life. <laughs> no, seriously, get a life. Get, get out of here. Yeah, he already ruined his swing. What the? What is wrong, you people? Christ. Well, you know today.
did it again. It's a bit. It's a bit at this point. <laughs> I love it. I swear to God, I'm like, this is a perfect time. And then, and then as soon as it, like, oh man. Oh God! All right, go ahead and finish your point. Then good times. Yeah, go ahead. What you said the numbers. Yeah, go or what were you going to say before that? Um. Now I lost it. Ah, all right. Sorry, my bad, man. No, inside it's time the numbers. For yeah, inside the numbers. What is oh, your I know inside what say. Today's game. Oh. Today's game. Kerry Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, he had a couple of at bats where you know he could have swung the game. Okay, great. If he got the ball in play, he didn't. But it was just amazing how many times the Tigers had either the tying run up uh, on base or the go ahead run on base, and you could just sense no matter who was up there, uh, it was Badu once and someone else another time, Haas. You could just see they weren't going to get the ball to the outfield. You just had that sense because that's the way the whole season's been going. And the lineup is just so full of holes. If you want to put it on Kerry Carpenter, go ahead, but come on. Uh, a lot of guys had important at-bats today and did nothing. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think uh, they're, they're at the point now where they're just trying to see what guys can do because if they really, really wanted to win that game today, I think they probably would have pinch hit Cabrera for Carpenter. Yeah, uh, instead of letting Carpenter do that, but they wanted to see if Carpenter could come through. But an awesome moment if he had. Uh, oh, absolutely! You know, they, they put Cabrera up there. They intentionally walk him and they pull him out. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, hey, good game, Mickey. Yeah, tough day's work. Yeah, it, it, it was a. Again, I think they're at this point. They're just going to say, you know what, do do you go do you do do your thing and and, and go from there. All right, Uper, what is your inside the number? Okay, my numbers today are twenty-seven and two. Um, after our show last week, the Tigers started a four-game series with the Rays, and just to show some of the difference between how the two teams approach the sport, um, it got out of control. Uh, the Rays, you know, they won three out of four games. It wasn't, but some two of those games were very close. I mean, the Tigers could have easily split or won that series, uh, but the walk disparity was really the big difference. The Tigers walked 27 Rays batters in the course of four games. Ooh. Detroit drew two walks on offense, 27 to two over a four-game span. I've been unable to find out if that's a record, but I have a strong suspicion. it's If it's not a record in walk disparity in a four-game series, it's really close. It's, it's hard to walk 27 times in a series, number one, <laughs> and then to only allow two in the same – uh, a period of time, you just don't see that. And, you know, and, and a couple of those are one-run games. Uh, if the Tigers, you know, need a uh, reason to change their approach of who they bring to the major leagues, what kind of hitters they want, that Tampa series is a nice little look uh, what professional at-bats look like versus, uh, well, just unprofessional at-bats half the time. So 27-2 uh, to was really a number I'll remember for a long time. Oh, that's funny because it's kind of how my inside number is going to work. Chris, what is your inside number? Oh, so I didn't do another one for tonight because I. Oh, I sorry. I yeah. No, it's fine. I can I can do the. It's that's it, on me. Uh, just in case nobody was listening or people you're listening now weren't listening yesterday, um, when when I was stuck in traffic on the Southfield freeway eating nachos from Taco Bell, the uh, my number was sixty five, which is the Tigers. Road OPS plus, meaning they are 35% below average on the road 
which uh, is by far the worst in baseball this year and was, in fact, the second worst in all time of all time, trailing only the <laughs> 1903 Washington Senators. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not like the the home offense is so great. It's actually second worst in baseball this year behind, ahead of the Nationals. It's the Tigers in Washington, something about that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, something something about them on the road this year just makes them incredibly inept and it's i don't know like we've talked about all year there's just trying to find new ways to describe how incredibly bad this offense has been and uh this is my latest one bad on the road bad bad all right well i'm gonna give you guys a number that uh may may be happy for some of you to hear so my number is there's two numbers four uh four thousand nine hundred forty three and 6,143. So the, so right now the 41 or 4,943 4, is the amount of times the Tiger minor leagues as a total have struck out in 2021. They struck out 6,143 times. So that is, that's a significant, uh, again, this is, that's all 2021. And we have about, about a month left for everybody but triple a so but still if you if if you're looking at it right now there's a difference you know that's quite a bit that's a quite a bit of difference and in terms of uh another number of the reason why i want to look at that was i was looking at okay what changes what like we were talking about progress so what in the minors has changed that uh, could be a sign of true things but everything else kind of is very similar it's not close. Like for example, OPS is seven thirty three uh, this year. OPS last year seven twenty six. Uh, total bases um, are kind of a thing where total actually the total the, the total bases are uh, six thousand or sixty nine eighty nine and eight thousand or eight thousand and eighty eight. So, but yeah, the strikeouts to me is significant. I mean, right? I mean, we're talking about a team that we saw a lot of last year that across the organizations. I mean, we saw a lot of quick at bats, but I don't know. It's something to, I don't want to say necessarily hang your hat on, but it, it's something. I mean, or am I, or am I just reaching for straws here, gentlemen? I think, you know, if you can see traits, positive traits and organizational approach, that's only a good thing. And that's getting everybody on the, on the same page from top to bottom. Seems like a positive. And it, it was one of the things we talked about with West Michigan this year is, is they have a remarkably high walk rate as a team. The strikeouts aren't too bad. And you mentioned earlier about like the, the behind the scenes struggle to call up Trey Cruz or Corey Joyce. It, it feels very much like a, Hey, this guy we should call up because he was a third round pick. And this guy we should call up because he deserves it. Right. Like it, and that's seems to be the difference in opinion there. Um, no, I, I don't know. Again, there, there are some things that are that we can point to as positives, but it's hard to enjoy it really when everything at the major league level is negative. Now, I can only imagine if the Tigers were succeeding this year and, and what was going on in the minors this year has gone on, people would be like, oh man, look at this. And Parker Meadows and Winslow Perez. You know, but now it's just like, ah, okay, cool. Let's see it at the big leagues. Well, I will say this. I mean, based off some of the traffic we've seen on the website, and on our Twitter account, people do care about the minors and people are, and they're going to take more of a center stage with all the changes that are going to be coming. So we're, we already seen it. We mentioned this on Sunday during the minor league podcast 
that you know you see Kinsey Liniak gone. You have uh, there's been they're not wasting time anymore. If you're not getting it done, you're, you're out. Well, yeah, and, and if uh, I mean with without short season ball, there's just not as much room. We were trying to figure out earlier today, like who is going to be at West Michigan next year in the infield. You got Sakara and um, Santana and Pacheco, all from you know low A this year, and and you know, Pacheco's up now. But you also have Peyton Graham and Danny Ceretti's playing well, and you got Luke Gold. And like, how are they going to figure all this out? Some guys are some guys going to just get jumped to Double A, or are we going to see guys get left down in Low A because uh, there's no room for them? It's they, you gotta you really have to trust your own player evaluations now. And be willing to push guys who you think can do it, and and maybe part ways with guys quicker than before, and that's a scary proposition for the current. I guess it was a scary proposition with Avila because that was arguably their their biggest weakness was was evaluating their own talent and knowing who was good and who was not. Uh, because boy, did they trade away all the good players and keep most of the bad players. You know, I just meant to tell you guys. Remember Nick Mishler, the coach here at DMAC? That we yeah. had on the show last yeah. year, mm-hmm. uh, he pretty good evaluator. He really likes Danny Soretti. Uh, He was really glowing about him. Uh, the times that he's seen him, what he what he likes in a, in a hitter, he thinks the guy's going to really hit. So yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm far, interested to watch him. He's uh, definitely too good for for low A at the moment. But uh, you would. Didn't we have so a? Did we have What's a scout that? say that? Did a scout say that last night too? The gentleman was sitting in front of us. Yeah, yeah, the I believe he was a Royal Scout. We, yeah, and so we were in Toledo last night, and, and it was funny. Uh, we mentioned this in a set of uh, it was the most scouts I've ever seen at a Toledo game for a yeah. random midweek Brian Garcia matchup with uh, <laughs> with Carlos Hernandez, whoever was pitching for the yeah, Royal it was, it was Hernandez, we yeah. later. We're trying to figure it out, and then we realized, like, oh, hey, that's Gene Lamont. We didn't realize it was Gene Lamont there until some woman came up to get his autograph on some baseball cards. <laughs> and then we noticed that some of the scouts uh, were actually from like the KBO. It was like, oh yeah, okay. Well, I mean, if I'm from the KBO, I'm looking at Josh Lester really closely because I think yeah. that's uh, he's a guy who could really be a good player over there. And so yeah, it was just kind of funny, like, oh man, why are there so many scouts here? But uh, and then we also maybe speculated that it was a bunch of older Tiger scouts trying to justify their existence. But uh, <laughs> you've been changes are coming. Yeah, there is. But, but the gentleman in front of us was, was nice and was talking to us, and he, he was like, you know, I haven't seen Joey Wentz since he was in high school. He looks good. Oh, by the way, every name. I, I could have said I could have said any name out there. He was like, oh, yeah, da, 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 boom. He, like, yeah. you talk, like, Chris and I, as soon as the draft's over, Chris has uh, talked about this before. As soon as the draft's over, we forget everybody. But this yeah, guy was yeah. just like, um, he was talking about uh, Pint, the Rockies uh, pick. Um, Riley Pint? Yeah, Riley Pint. He was like, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm here, dude. So I'm here, blah 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 blah. And I'm just like, like just like without even like bat an eye, just boom, 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 kept coming. These guys go to a lot, and like you realize how hard scouting is. But good God, man! I mean, bow to you, man, because he's just any any name. It didn't matter. He's like, oh yeah, this guy went to Oregon State. He was a center fielder. Love it. Yeah, I mean, he. Uh... And we mentioned he was asking who the Tigers picked, and then you mentioned Graham, and then you mentioned Melton. He's like, Oh, he thought there were two Meltons in the draft this year, and he got him confused real quick, but then he he, he figured it out. And he knew both, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, it, he knew that he knew he thought that uh, Jamie Westbrook 
he was like, yeah, I don't think he went to college. We're like, I don't know. And then we looked it up and like, oh, be damned, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so he's just like, yeah, I remember him from high school. So yeah, these scouts, they're, that's what they're paid to do, right, is to, to evaluate players. And But uh, it's one of the, the the more enjoyable aspects of having our, you know, our fancy pants media passes that we just go sit <laughs> with the scouts. And, and if they're nice, they will tell you things that are interesting. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That's well, cool. He asked us where we're from and what we do, and you, you appreciated the fact. And so it was, it was nice because some scouts, actually, the majority of the scouts we've talked to have been pretty cool. I mean, Boomer. Yeah. Boomer from the uh, the Red Scout we talked to uh, at, at Lansing. He got some, really informa- some good information he may have seen elsewhere on Twitter. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Mariner Scout, the Cardinal Scout we saw out at West Michigan. And yeah. And yeah. I mean, a, a lot of them, you know, it's it's a competitive business. They also want to guard their own information, but a lot of them are just huge baseball fans, right? And, and yeah. And they're working. So you don't want to bother them too much. But when they're there, <laughs> sometimes they like to uh, just, just share what they've seen. Yeah. In the case of the guy, we were saying, we we're just making small talk with each other. Chris and I were talking, and then he just kind of, like just start talking. I thought it was I, for a second. I thought it was Buddy Bell because it kind of looked like Buddy Bell to me for whatever reason. Yeah. But then I realized Buddy Bell is probably at the Field of Dreams because that's going on tonight. So I was just like, eh, was that, excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that they did do the Harry Carey. Uh, Hi, hologram. The Harry Carey Tupac hologram. Nice. <laughs> the moon made of cheese. All right, enough of my crappy Harry Carey impression. All right, it's now time for inside or the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm Chris. You already said you're ugly, but what's your good and bad this week? Uh, yeah, so my, my good is actually Francisco Lindor, who uh, you know everybody knows he's good, but you know for like the last two years there was kind of a a little bit of a narrative that maybe he he was past his prime, and his numbers weren't necessarily there on offense. Uh, it was like a 103 WRC plus two years ago in the 60 game season, and then. Only 104 last year. He was really struggling in his first uh, time with the Mets. But he was still putting up good war because he's such an excellent defender. And, and this year, he's just been outstanding. Uh, right now, he's got a 132 WRC+, plus, which ties his career high. Uh, and he's already at five war for the season, which is, uh, I don't know, six war more than the entire Tigers offense. Um, and, he, yeah, he's hitting 270 with 20 home runs and 11 steals and a 10% walk rate. And he was especially good over the past month. Uh Again, while continuing to play excellent defense at shortstop, he was a two-war player in, in the last 30 days with a 197 WRC+. Plus. And it, it was just kind of interesting to look back at, you know, he was originally going to be one of these, you know, one of the shortstops available on the, the great shortstop class of 2022 or 2021, however you want to describe it. Uh, and uh, But he was the first one to get traded and signed, right? And he has been the best so far this year. I was looking. So Lindor, he's got five war this year, $32.5 million. It's worth it. Uh, and then Corey Seager has been the second best, kind of quietly, I, I guess, because the Rangers aren't very good. But 3.7 WAR, he's also making 32.5 million. Marcus Simeon has been the third best. After all his rough start, he's up to 2.3 WAR now. 
playing second base, but not bad for I mean it's twenty five million dollars a year, but that's that's decent. He's gonna be like a three war player. Carlos Correa hasn't been great this year. One point six war for thirty five million dollars. Like I, I'm starting to wonder if he's not back in with the with the twins based on this season. Try to try again next year. Then you got Trevor Story, one point nine war for twenty three million. The Red Sox, he's playing second base, and then the back of the pack is Javi Baez, zero point eight war for twenty million. I guess uh, who could have seen that one coming? Oof. So that was my good somehow. <laughs> um, my my bad uh, is is uh, let's stay in the central here is Alex Kirilov, who I've talked about a lot because he's a relative, but I'm just going to sp- skip that and, and talk about the baseball aspect of it now. And it's just it's a bummer. Like we don't necessarily care if the Twins have troubles, right? It's fine. Right. But it's always a bummer when when young players struggle with injuries. We talked about it with Mickey Moniak a couple months ago. And Royce Lewis has had you know, multiple injuries, but with Kirilov, it, it's been, it, it kind of feels like he's been around for a long time because I think he, you know, he came up for the playoffs in 2020. That was his MLB debut, but he's only played 104 games in the big leagues because wow. he's constantly injuring his wrist. Yeah. And he was, uh, he was like the 2016 Appalachian league MVP over Vlad Guerrero jr. He got off to a great pro start, but then he, Ended up getting Tommy John surgery in 2017. And he was good the next couple of years, but he's just been dealing with this lingering wrist issue. Happened uh, in 2021. He went on the aisle with a wrist sprain, came back for a few weeks, then went out the year with a ligament tear in his right wrist. Back this year, he was on the aisle with a wrist inflammation, up for a few weeks, out with a right wrist contusion. And then they just announced he's out for the year with surgery on the wrist. And it was, it was something I've never heard of before, where they actually are cutting out four millimeters of bone in his Ooh. wrist. Whoa. So, yeah, basically the, the doctors were like, well, here's the problem. You've got too much bone in your wrist. So oh. I've never heard of it before, but they're hoping he can make a complete recovery. But it's just, it's just another example of maybe why we should cool it on prospects. You know, don't get too invested in prospects because no matter how good they are, things can go wrong in a billion different ways. And it's, uh, it's, it's just kind of a bummer, but hopefully for a recovery for him next year. But again, like, Hundred games in two years because wrist injury is not great. Mm. And yeah, my ugly was was the press conference. I don't know if I have a whole lot more to to say about that uh, other than I, I just you know I, I Chris Illich just came across as small, right? Like just like kind of a small man, not a leader of any kind, uh, like uh, almost like a politician, but one with action, like zero charisma. You know, like a, a real Jeb Bush out there, just not taking any blame. He's more like like a like a stuffed crush Kushner, just just kind of soft and, and moist. And I, I I don't know, like if unless he's playing forty chess and like his goal was to somehow make us feel slightly sorry for Alavila, then then mission accomplished. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I just I. Couldn't have been less impressed with that performance. Um, he, he comes across as somebody who's who doesn't love baseball and feels kind of burdened by owning the Tigers and, and like he can't even be bothered to pay attention to what's happening. And I don't know if any of that is true. I have no idea. But that's just the way he comes across. And so at the very least, I feel like he needs to take communication classes or something. It, it's just He seems like somebody who's never been told no by anyone other than his parents. And even then, maybe only a couple times. So it was it was ugly, and I didn't like it. And, and I'm hoping, I'm ho- hoping that that doesn't ruin the next GM. You know that, that it's not the fish rotting from the top down. 
you know, it's interesting how often he was looking at his notes, you know, to, to remember a few things. I, I just wonder to what depth do you think he could talk just extemporaneously about the roster? You know, <laughs> what does he really know about the inner workings? It's got to be about six inches deep. <laughs> it really doesn't. It does not. And again, like, it's hard for us to know, but you you don't see him really at the games, right? You don't see him. Yeah. And, and, you know, I He's an owner. Owners can do whatever they want with their billions of dollars, but it's it's like you. What you really want is the wacky billionaire who just wants to win, and he he's he's not that. I can no. comfortably say that. Maybe he wants to win, but he's not gonna you know do everything it takes. He doesn't have that burning desire to win. Uh, he, seems like he probably cares more about parking lots and pizza. <laughs> it's hard to say. I'm not gonna. I don't want to speak on his behalf, but it, I mean, it did look bad yesterday. It the entire optics of it all. I mean, even going back to the Red Wings conference, and then he was referring to the minor leagues. He was referring to so. Yeah. All right, Youper. What is your good and bad ugly this week? Okay, uh, a real quick mini good to start. Drew Hutchison, who won't have, he won't <laughs> he won't be in the good too often, but I just wanted to give him credit for living up to having no expectations. Okay, because <laughs> I thought yesterday he gives up three runs early and it looked ugly, right? I mean, this this was turning into a nine nothing route. He somehow found his way through five innings and kept it to three runs, and he does seems to do this a fair amount of time. The Tigers have certainly brought in much worse innings eaters and space fillers. So I just wanted to give a little bit of credit to a guy who it looked ugly, but he kept it relatively sane out there. So uh, he deserves some credit. He's better than a, he's a little better than I thought he was. But my real good was Dalton Varsho. Uh, this is kind of a uh, fantasy baseball moment for me. I kind of ended up with him in a trade as a throw, and I really wasn't even targeting him. But now that I have him, I'm wondering if I got to keep him as a keeper because he has that catching. Uh, eligibility as well as outfield he's caught 18 games this year so he's going to be a catcher next year for everybody the dude is tied for first with any everybody who has catcher eligibility in home runs he's in the top three in rbis and runs and he's in the top two in stolen bases uh for all people with catching eligibility so that's a guy if you're in, in uh, fantasy baseball out there and especially if it's a keeper league think about varsho because he's going to be a step above almost all catchers uh, that you can get. Uh, my bad, unfortunately, Eric or, uh, Spence, Eric Torkelson, Spencer Torkelson. For those who don't know, Eric Torkelson was a really bad running back for the Packers in the seventies. <laughs> there you go. He was not good. So, but anyway, hopefully Spencer is not on his track. Um, but he did have the walk off tonight. That's wonderful. He had two hits tonight. I think I walk as well. Uh, but let's face it, after he had a couple of home runs over here in Iowa last week, he went into a slump. I think, including tonight, he's four for his last 27. Um, uh, it just feels a lot like what he was doing in the majors. Uh, did you guys see any possible hint of the Torquesans coming soon? No. The Renaissance no, of the Torquesans, do we are we going to see it? This year, not this year. No, I don't. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, he's, I, he's honestly, just not no, showing he, up. He looked exactly like the same guy. Like, like 
it was he was giving away pitches on the outside part of the plate unless he had two strikes. Just wasn't looking to hit them at all, really. He was, um, and I, you know, I, I to a certain extent, I get that. Like you want a pitch that you can drive early in the count, but pitchers seem to know that they know that he won't swing and they can just throw strikes away uh, at will. And then, you know, with two swings, he's he's more defensive or two strikes, he's more defensive, and he expanded the zone. He swung uh, swung through a high fastball. He took a called strike on the outer third. And then um, in his next two at bats, he had it was it was a nice like nine pitch at, uh, at bat battle, but it was against the lefty with not really great stuff. And he eventually hit a weak grounder to shortstop, which it brought in a run because there was a guy on third, but that was that was it. And then his next at bat was another weak grounder to shortstop, and it was just you know it, it, you, I'm looking for any signs of change, and I haven't seen it. Yeah. You know I, I don't know if I, I imagine it's got to be very difficult when you're a guy who's had the same swing for, for however long and you're breaking records at Arizona state, you're the number one overall pick and you're the first guy to get, you know, more money than the slot value at number one. And uh, everything's worked all the way through the minors. You had a little bit of like, you know, you hit the skids a little bit triple a, but you still hit for power and, and look good. And then you get the majors and it doesn't work. And I, I don't know if he's built to completely reassess himself and change, or if he just thinks he's been unlucky or what, but, Something needs to change in his swing and his approach, and, and there's no sign of it yet. So, so nothing he's doing looked obviously different. That they because they said they have a plan for him, right? They didn't tell us what the end game of the plan is, but there was a plan of stuff he's working on. That was a, pretty much a quote from Inch. Yeah, and again, you know, I'm no hitting coach either, so maybe there's some subtle things going on there. But it to me, it looks exactly the same as he looked in mm-hmm. in uh, you know the summer camp in 2020 and spring training in 2021. Uh, all year of the minors last year and spring training this year and all year of the major. It, it's the same swing. It's mm. the same uh, impressive power when he connects. But, uh, yeah, it, it just, it, I don't know, didn't look any yeah, different. The, the two homers he pounded over here in Iowa were long. One of them left, went, left the stadium. Um, he had another bullet off the top of the wall, almost had three homers. So I was hoping he was turning it around, but obviously he has not yet. Uh, my... <laughs> I like it. My ugly. Oh, we always <laughs> always fun to bring up Mr. Tony Larusa. Poor Tony. Johnny Cueto, star pitcher of his team, uh, quoted as saying something's wrong. They have no fire on the field or in the clubhouse, and that was you know then. Obviously, Tony, probably you know the crusty old curmudgeon that he is, probably the worst person in the world to have to try to defend or weave his way through that comment. That's a minefield for a lot Chicago sucks! <laughs> so it was really fun to listen to him try to... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, okay. Uh, I think most people looking at the whole hum season you're having kind of do know what you're talking about. I just think it's funny. that I just really believe they're, they're continually paying the price uh, on the leadership level from the head chair, you know, the, the, he's falling asleep the other week and now we got some people popping off in the press. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe they can finish strong here and win that division, but they really look depressed. I've never seen a team that are just basically giving the middle finger to the manager, quite uh, frankly, they, and because we like, there, there was a, I think it was on Twitter where you see him like falling asleep, yeah. and somebody was trying to say, "Oh, well, maybe it was just a sun." No, no, it looks like no. me 
after three hours of sleep and I'm, I'm standing up doing something that I don't want to do. Um, I really, really, that was bad. That was definitely that slow closure of the eyelids that comes from fighting off sleep. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely what that was. There's no doubt about it. Oh yeah. Like I, that's, that's after <laughs> like, that's seriously, if you work a security job or you've done any kind of mundane BS job and you have to be attentive and you're pulling that, you're falling asleep. No questions asked. You're not getting suntan lotion in your eye or, or anything <laughs> like that. That's pure shenanigans. Uh, <sighs> all right. So my good actually starts with the Erie Seawolves. And the reason why I mentioned the Erie Seawolves is because I have a, a damn good reason why that we mentioned the uh, Erie Seawolves. And that is because of a guy that we I, – I put the title of the – uh, the podcast a couple of weeks, I think it was last week, Sawyer, um, Tom Sawyer's uh, Sawyer, the, in terms of the starter, Gibson Long was a, the starter who the Tigers acquired from Minnesota. Everybody was like, oh, who the hell is this guy, ERA and, and all that stuff. And by the way, stop it. We'll get to that question here shortly. That's, that's a very good question. We're going to ask questions here in a second. But so tonight he had another game where his first game for the Seawolves, was was pretty solid. He went five innings, four run, he allowed four hits, one run, struck out seven. Tonight against New Hampshire, which is one of the better teams in terms of hitting, they lead the Eastern League in home runs. He allowed six hits over five innings, one run, and struck out four. So if you're scoring at home, folks, he's allowed two runs in just 10 innings of work so far in his time in Detroit with one walk. He doesn't, he's not, and we, we talked about this before. He's not a guy who gives it a lot of walks up anyways. He's really good control. So, again, just two starts. But still, I mean, New Hampshire is not a team to screw with. I mean, they have Aurelis Martinez, who's a really good shortstop. I've been watching him play. He's a really good watch. But So he's off to a good start. My bad is I'm looking, you know, teams since the All-Star break, I've been trying to figure out what's been uh, something that stands out. A lot of teams are kind of in the middle of the pack and where they are, but the, the San Francisco giants are six and 14 since the all-star break. And they're my bad this week because they trade for Dixon Machado and then they just let them go. Um, that's not the reason why they're bad, but they just seem that that giants magic we've been waiting for. They've been pitching pretty well. Their FIP is 3.87, but I expected the giants to, I think San Diego is just, Maybe the Dodgers are 17 and three since the all-star break. The Dodgers are a beast and the Dodgers yeah. are just going to continue to win. But I was surprised about the giants this season. They've seemed like just all that magic and just injuries. Everything's been catching up to them. So first time I mentioned giants in quite some time. And uh, my ugly is the Washington center or the centers, the nationals farm system, the double a affiliate, the Harrison center Harrisburg senators. So, why am I mentioning an obscure team from Double A? Well, folks, here's a reason why they probably traded Juan Soto for prospects because their Double A affiliate has been getting their ass kicked on a regular basis. I'm talking. I've been watching a lot. Of, I've been watching a lot of Double A baseball. Why? I mean, I've, I've been paying attention to Erie quite a bit with some of the players they have there, but I'm looking at this and in terms of offensive numbers and. The Senators are 41 and 64. 
Okay, so the record, whatever, it's double A. They, they just scored eight runs, and it's one of the first times in quite some time they scored more than five runs all season. Mm. But they have been just on – but it was Monday – it was Tuesday's game, 13-2. to two. And it was among – I believe it was like the – I think it was like the fourth or fifth time in the last two weeks or so that they've given up quite a bit of offense. And so, I mean, it wasn't as bad as Richmond, who beat New Hampshire 19-1 – on Sunday, but they came close because they lost to Bowie 18 to one on Sunday, Oof. 18 to one. And that is an example of what we're talking about. in terms of the offense. What, what kind of offense? Five hits. And they're, they're not getting it. I mean, Baker, uh, I the gentleman's name. Um, uh, Darren, Darren Baker is your leading hitter at 264. Dusty Baker's son. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. no, um just to, to circle back to the, the the Giants, I don't know if this will make Tigers fans feel any better, but uh you know the Tigers, their winning percentage is down ninety-five points from last year, which is not great, not ideal. The Giants is down 174 points. <laughs> wow. They've already lost more games this year than they lost all of last year. So you could argue that they're the most disappointing team in baseball, but uh don't try to tell that to a Tigers fan, right? Don't try to tell a Giants fan right now. I mean, the Giants right now, you probably ask a Giants fan, they're, they're of course, they're going to dump on Detroit because that's an easy thing to do no matter what. You know, everybody talk, does that dusty Detroit versus everybody slogan. But, uh, yeah. All right. So we have questions. Uh, oh, I forgot. We do have a – I forgot to mention. We did have a question, but we also had an ugly that we got – um, let's see here. Uh, where'd it go? All right, so I do have an ugly, and it was from our, our buddy over here, uh, Tim. Let's see if I find it. Yep, I have it right here. There we go. Now it's gone. Uh, oh, yeah, he, he left it early in the week. Okay, so his ugly. So I don't want to, hey guys, I don't want, I don't want to like wish ill will against him, but he's an ex tiger, so here it goes. And this he sent it over on August 5th, so keep this in mind. Since July 5th, Isaac Praise has hit 121, 8 for 66. Also during that time, he's managed to hit one home run more than Austin Meadows and knock in two more RBIs. During this time, his batting average has dropped from 254 to 210. Unless this draft pick includes the trade, unless this draft pick included in the trade turns out to be a superstar, I still believe that this is a trade that will be considered one of Alavilo's few quote wins in a few years. So that was uh, that was his um, uh, inside the number. Excuse me. It was one. It was the inside number was one twenty one one. Yeah. So I think he's got every chance of being correct on that one. Two years from now, when yeah. Austin Meadows' time might be done here after I think he's controlled for two more seasons, could definitely be the case. So we're gonna start, Chris. I share it with uh, Tim's question from our DMs. Yeah. Sure. All right. So, um, but yeah, this, and I like this, this question this week was a really good one too. It was something that he sent to us a couple days ago, but it, again, I, what I like about Tim's questions is they tend to be analytical or Mark's, excuse me, Mark's questions are very analytical and, and uh, tend to be a little bit, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just like them anyway. All right. Hey, Rogelio, Harold Castro has a minus 10 OAA, and a F war of zero. 
And Chris, for those who are at home, what is OAA? The outs above average. That's uh, StatCast's uh, metric yeah. for defensive ability. Thank you. Willie Castro ranks fifth on the team in OAA. One more, and, he be, and he's tied for second behind only Scope. Candy's a mess at third. Badu's throwing arm is well-documented. In years previous, we had Castellanos and Stewart, who were poor defenders. When you look at roster construction for years now, are the Tigers too narrow-sided with hitting and don't put enough value in defense? That's an excellent question. Yeah, I mean... It's a loaded yeah. question. But <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, for, for most of my adult life, the Tigers have been bad on defense. And even when they did find good defenders, they were not great offensive players. There have been some exceptions. Ian Kinsler was a great two-way player. Placido Polanco was a great two-way player. Granderson, early on, was a great two-way player. Um, yeah, it, it just goes to, to show, like, they've tried the defensive route in the draft before. I think of your Brendan Loys and your Danny Worths, right? They, they went glove-first infielders, and those guys could never hit. Uh, and so they've also tried the bat-only approach, and that hasn't worked either. Um, I, I just think, like, it, it just all of it needs an overhaul. They, they need a, a giant overhaul to everything, to the way they develop defenders, the way they draft and scout guys to know if they can play defense. I mean, even we talk about a lot of their promising young international talent. Emmanuel Socara is probably not a shortstop, probably more of a third baseman or second baseman. Same with Christian Santana. Um, like the big names, they, they still aren't getting the actual gloves. And even, you know, when they got Willie Castro, he was known as a glove first shortstop. He was a quality <laughs> hitter at shortstop. He was not much of a hitter. That was the, the book on him. Right. And then all that went sideways. Uh, and, and so I don't know, like, you know, Sergio Alcantara, right? He was a great defender, couldn't hit. Um, they just they just can't find the sweet spot uh, of guys who can do both. You know, Kale Org, great defender, lots of tools, can't hit. Just go throughout the history. So you know, if, if they want to go out there and just be like, you know what, Since we can't hit anyway, let's just get a bunch of defenders. Fine. Uh, the Tigers fans are probably used to them not scoring after this year, so... <laughs> Maybe that's the thing they can do. I, I saw that the Cubs just released Anderson Simmons. He's a terrible bat. Uh, go ahead and get great, him. Yeah, great defender. Yeah, so ten I, years yeah, ago, <laughs> I think yeah, it's true. He might not even grade out well on defense anymore. But um, yeah, it's just just the whole package. They 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 don't seem to target talented players. We'll, we'll give them that. Like Javi Baez is has all the defensive talent in the world. For whatever reason, he can't make routine throws. Um, yeah, I would not. We knew that he he is erratic in terms of throwing. I would not have predicted he'd have twice as many errors as he does home runs. But uh, here we are. So I don't know. It's just been a bummer. That throw we uncorked today, trying to turn the double play, was just unbelievably bad. Oh, maybe uh, maybe he needs a dirty magazine like in Major League Two with a catcher. You guys remember <laughs> that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, I. Yeah. That was the same thing. It was like the throw from Badu yesterday to no man's land. That reminded me of something that you would see in an uncoordinated little league effort. And I'm not saying that's like just a bad throw. Tom Umansky or Mansky somewhere was looking at that going, they didn't watch the video. They clearly <laughs> did not watch the video. Well, you know, you just think back to, I go, I, I mentioned this before. I'll say it again though. When we had Dan Dickerson on in preseason, 
And he was so excited about the up-the-middle defense, what, what that was going to look like. And I'm not ripping on Dan. A lot of us felt that way. I mean, that was kind of – that. everybody thought that was going to be a real strength of the ball club. And it just, you know, other than scope, it just really hasn't evolved. Yeah. And, and again, I know with Castro doing his thing at first base, but they don't really have another option. I mean, they're not going to call Quincy Deporti. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, he. I mean, he has had a really good year, but but then again, stranger things have happened. I don't know what's going to. I mean, right now it's a brand new ball game. I was telling I was telling Chris about this earlier. I was talking on the phone. We can't. The Tigers are not for the first time in a decade. The Tigers are not going to be predictable. I mean, the last couple drafts have shown that a little bit, and we've been seeing that. But now it's completely. Our, our, our educated guesses, our well-informed guesses, are going to have to be sharper. We're going to have to do more, stronger, faster. That's what we're going to have to do. So, all right. Uh, we have a question in Rube. Yeah, Rube. There it is, Chris, Christopher. Thank you. Rube was a character in Major League Two that he was referring to. Couldn't yes. remember the guy's name. Yeah. And it was fitting because Rube. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So, Chris, what's the next question? Uh, well, the only question that I saw on Twitter was uh, it was from Epic uh, D3C, and it was about possible GM candidates, uh, which we discussed already. I don't know if you guys had any other names you wanted to throw out there. Um, um, go ahead. Well, I mean, one we haven't mentioned, everybody thinks that A.J. Hinch is going to have a lot of say in this. So one of them is, is potential, I uh, was it Pete Patila, or Patila, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he's the current assistant general manager of the Astros. Um, and it's not as varied a resume as I would like to see. You know, I kind of want to see guys who have who've held a lot of different positions in a lot of different places just so they have that network, you know. But he's he's uh, held a whole bunch of roles with the Astros. He is uh, signed up in 2011 as an intern, became the baseball operations coordinator, then the director of minor league operations, then the director of player development from 2016 to 2019, which is probably a pretty fruitful era of player development for the Astros. And he's been the assistant GM since then. So presumably has a good relationship with A.J. Hinch. Uh, he would be a guy I think you would consider. Um, but again, there's probably 30 good candidates out there. It's sure. uh, it's tough to say who, who would be the best. I don't know. I'm not qualified to make that decision. Do um, Falvey and Levine still kind of share the job in Minnesota? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I um, think so. Yeah, I mean, does one of them want to run their own shop? You know, that's like... Yeah, I mean, I mean that they may be doing kind of what what we expect a Minzin Sartori, uh, you know, tandem would do, where one of them handles kind of the business side, and one of them handles the the baseball side. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly somebody I would approach, right? I'd mm -hmm. Approach everybody. Um, give him a give him a little Caesar's franchise while you're at it. I mean, you know. And then, um, but he he did have a secondary part to that question. He said, "Do we think Scott Plice will be let go?" Scott Place, the uh, scouting director for the Detroit Tigers. I think I, I, there was something about, and, and Steve Cook mentioned this earlier, that they might just clean house completely with the scouting department. And I, I, I hope, with the exception, of course, our boy in Arizona, uh, Joey. Joey yeah, please don't let him go. You know why? Everybody who's listening, he found Bo Brisky and he found Wormer Flores. He's done a pretty good job of scouting the area. So, yeah. See um, the results. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, we've kind of discussed this in private, but uh, 
our expectation is is that basically anybody who was one of Al's guys, as it were, basically anybody who was hired prior to last August when they made the overhaul and put Minzen and in Sartoria's VP roles and, and you know, shifted uh, Chad and, and little, Littlefield to the basement with, uh, you know, the guy with the stapler in office space. The um, <laughs> I, Anybody hired before then uh, might be looking over their shoulder, you know, and, and that might need to get their resume sharpened up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Place has been with the org for 10, 12 years, something like that. Dan Lunetta is the, the minor league director. I think Tom Moore, the, the international scouting guy, is probably on his way out. I, I just think basically anybody who wasn't part of the Garco, Gabe Rebus uh, tree may may be gone. Now, I'd like it's it's debatable as to whether, like, I would think they would be dumb to get rid of Joey Lothrop, like we said, the, the scout from Arizona. He's, he's got results. Keep that guy. Uh, and I, I'm not sure about Kenny Graham. You know that he came on a couple years ago. Uh, he and it was Dan Hubs, right? That was kind of their like their first attempt at uh, modernizing their player development and scouting. Um, and they let Dan Hubs go, but they kept Kenny Graham. So I, I would assume maybe they'll keep him again. But it's tough to say. But yeah, I, I would I would be shocked if Scott Fly sticks around, and not necessarily for any reason other than it's just like, hey, it's time to change the way we do things. You know what? I, I look at it this way: if you're going to be around. If you're gonna be around Alavila, this is what's gonna to happen to you. Honestly, it's what's the world. It's gonna. So, have you ever seen the movie Thinner? Oh, this is Thinner. Yeah. Oh, let me, let me, uh, this is what's gonna happen. I curse you. Say what? Look at that what? makeup. Come on. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's what's gonna happen. And all the uh, the guys are just gonna get skinnier and, and disappear. <laughs> All right, that was okay. That was my lame attempt at humor, but uh, look at that like makeup, yeah. so bad. Yeah, white man from town. All right, like Weird Al looked better in the fat video. He did, and by the way, that's a very underrated Stephen King movie. By the way, but yeah, it, you're right. That makeup now that I see it, it looks looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but so all right. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, those are the only questions we got on Twitter. Are any more in the chat we wanted to talk or yeah we got yeah we got one about uh the torque swing and we did get one from Stephen Cook. Um one more about um his projections 20, 20 home runs to eighty ish average. I think the answer is question, yeah. I for whom? For Jace Young, who we saw on Friday we oh. saw last week. Uh, we saw we saw his debut. Outside of one at bat, he didn't look out of place to me. I thought he looked pretty good out there. Nice. Yeah, he can hit. Uh, we, we haven't seen him hit a home run yet, um, but he knows how to get the bat in the ball, and, and he's got a pretty good eye. Uh, it's it's high A. I think that's probably appropriate level for him right now, but I, the way he's hitting, I assume he'll, he'll start next year in double A. The only concern with him is, is he's like a 30-grade athlete, and there's nothing he can do about that, really. I mean, he's kind of a thick lower half. He's not very fast. Uh, but there's room for guys like that if they can hit and hit a lot. So I think, yeah, 280, 20 home runs is a, you know, a reasonable expectation, I suppose. I, I, I don't know. It's always tough to say something like that. Like once upon a time, that's what we thought Kristen Stewart would do. Right. And and yeah. once he got to the big leagues, it was like, Oh, uh, so <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I would, you know, cautiously optimistic for something like that. How about that? Yeah. I'm, 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 I believe the same thing. I think that the fact he's hanging in high pitching is good. 
But again, it's also the level of competition he's facing right now. He is facing some good pitchers. It's not the same as it was in the beginning of the year. And you're getting some guys that are coming in. But then you read a story that uh, a guy we both liked, Chris, that the Angels put up in double A already. And Zach Nito. Yeah, Zach Nito. We, we were both very high on him because of his advanced ability. I mean, they called him up based off a 200 batting average or something to that effect, but still. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if part, part of that was just because the Angels don't have anybody in their minors. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, we, don't, we literally don't have a shortstop in double A. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Possible. Yeah, because somebody, somebody got the call up. They were like, see? Oh, look at Chase Young. He's slow. Shut, shut up. Shut up. I mean, well, that's the thing. Like, like Zach Nato, uh, he might end up being a second baseman as well. And he had his college numbers were as good or better than Jace Young. He just was at a smaller school, so it was a little bit more risky. But he's a, a, a significantly better athlete, so you, you know, mitigate the risk there. But the Tigers, we've discussed before, the Tigers do generally do not take hitters unless they are from big conference schools, uh, which to me indicates a uh, a lack of faith in their own scouting ability, if you will, but uh, or development ability, or both. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We have to definitely. Um... I think it's it, it's been a week. It's been a week, and mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, we had to move the showtime. We usually been going on when, so we've been on Thursdays, and then when that happened yesterday, we did an emergency pod that you can find on on our uh, feed. And so uh, we thank everybody for participating on both. And, uh, yeah, as far as I'm supposed to go tomorrow to Toledo to go watch the great Austin Bergner take a pitch uh, or take a pitch. <laughs> have a catch. Yeah, have a catch. There you go. The dreams. I was thinking I was thinking of Field of Dreams. And I'm supposed to go down there tomorrow and watch him pitch. But we, we shall see. Um, but thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for – also, we got a new two, couple of new people on Patreon, too. So thank you for nice. participating in that. I really appreciate it. And, uh, again, sorry we're late tonight. And uh, yeah, next week, by the way, I'll uh, there's no as far as Sunday's show goes for the minor league report, there will be no show. I am going on vacation as of Sunday, but I'm knowing me, I still will be around, so you'll be on Twitter, blah blah blah. I'll be in Fremont, Indiana, that's where I'll be with my family. And uh, my wife made these camping shirts that have uh, our family thing, it's a thing we do now, which I never thought I never thought I would see the day. That we have a shirt that says camp, camp, uh, camp trip thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, all right. I sound like a cynical asshole, but it's just, oh, yeah. you know, well, I, I'd rather be West Westminster. What's that up? That first night you got your weenie on a stick over the open <laughs> fire, you are going to be happy as could be. For a second, the way you put the way you yeah. phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hopefully, like, my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I'm between the hamburger helper. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. Sorry. I'm you, uh, did you guys discuss at all the, the, uh, the impending return of Daniel Norris tomorrow? Daniel oh, yeah. starter right. tomorrow. He'll be the Tigers' 16th starter of the year. And they'll have to make another move to the 40 man for that. Uh, I think they did. They sent, oh, did they? Uh, they sent back, yeah, they sent Luis Castillo down. Did they, but they, they'd have to DFA him or um, they'd have to DFA somebody because Norris is not on the 40 man, I don't think. 
Uh, let me see here. What are I? Uh... But uh, it doesn't really matter. It's Daniel Norris. Yeah. They are. Uh, they're just looking for bodies now. But he's going to, you know, all Dan, he's going to go a good outing. He's going to go four innings, give up three runs. You know, that's yeah. kind of. Yeah. Well, <laughs> You know, to, to your point earlier, you uh, Drew Hutchison has the third most innings pitched on the Tiger staff this year. Wow. Wow. Behind Scooble and Brisky. I'm telling you, that's going to be a, the title of his book, Living Up to No Expectations. <laughs> so, anyway. Daniel All right, Norris, everybody. Damn, Daniel Norris against the White Sox. Look, they could win a couple games in Chicago. I mean, Chicago is a giant crap show, so we'll see. But That'd be great. That would be awesome. Honestly, I would like, again, not the Tigers to lose 100 games or, or whatever the case is. I just like the Tigers to be competitive. And right now, it's been a long season. But uh, the vacation actually comes at a good time. And hopefully, sure. like I said, I might be off the grid for a day or two, but trust me, not long. <laughs> I just, because I mean, honestly, like there's so much going on right now. And, we have Lakeland going on with Peyton Graham. There's so much baseball to still talk about. And that's the thing. Look, the end of the show, for all the bad baseball we've watched the Tigers this year, there are some things to hang your hat about. The minor leagues is doing surprisingly well. We've seen some progress. They still have ways to go. And we'll be talking content here for the content gods, as we would say, if anybody's listening to the show long enough. We have content for the next four or five months, depending on who they hire. So, um, I'm just grateful to do this, and I'm grateful for everybody who's listening. So thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, everybody. And also, if you're one of those people that got on uh, Woodward Tigers and was getting on because I, the, the way it was phrased about Rick Porcello and Kevin Euclid, I, I, I put that Kevin Euclid tackled Rick Porcello after he plunked him, and everybody on Twitter, oh, no, <laughs> thank you for reminding me a thousand times about that. I, I I remember. Uh, yeah, Uper, you got your tweet got really big too, Uper. So it did. You, was it, yeah, was it Dan O'Shaughnessy, the old Boston Globe writer? Yeah. I remember he he wrote uh, he wrote a story about that, and it said that Euclid hogtied Porcello, and everybody's like, "What in the hell were you watching?" He got turned. Hey, and that was like a I remember that being a big deal. Toss takedown, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it was textbook. Porcello took him down. And that was such no a random mound charge. I remember that because Porcello, Porcello was pitching really well that game. It was one of his best games that year. And there was obviously no intent there. And Euclid just, just felt like charging the mound. Clown. Yep. Clown Euclid. Yeah, and look, that was – we know what happened. I phrased it wrong. But I don't need to be reminded a thousand effing times. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just – like, I'm in a mood this week. It's been a long time. I'll send you a text while you're camping. Pardon me? I'll send you a text to remind you while you're camping. Yeah. <laughs> Just letting you know, Roger. Let you know what the This is what really happened. No shit, Sherlock. All right. On that note, thank you so much. Have a good night, everybody. I'm telling you, man. I